Welcome to Hope Anchors, everybody. I'm Johnny. And I'm Sean. And together we want to share the hope that anchors the very core of who we are to all that Jesus is. In Hebrews 6.19, it reads, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. So welcome back, everybody. And i uh, really like to just... Uh, tell you that we are continuing our series called This Is Us, taking a better and deeper look at our core values. Um, it really all started a few weeks ago, and uh, Johnny, you started off with the um, about our heart, about protecting our heart, going back into Proverbs, Proverbs yeah. 4.23, where it reads, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Well, I'm excited that uh, we get your brother here back in the studio again. Yeah, I didn't really want to mention that because, you know, it's just, oh my God. Hey, we're making space for grace. How do, we, how do you get rid of people sometimes? But, <laughs> sometimes uh, you let them in their home, they don't I'll leave. tell That's... you. But uh, no, it, it is truly, uh, you know, it's once again, it's just a great blessing that uh, that God's given us this opportunity as brothers. Uh, my brother Tom, uh, if you heard last week, lives out in Oregon. And uh, he just happens to be in the Midwest for for his for his work that he's doing for his job. That but um, shh, oh, that's oh, a secret. Oh, his wife. I don't <laughs> know if Tammy knew that. His wife knew that. But uh, but yeah. So it, it's kind of fun to have that uh, uh, the opportunities and to really uh, enjoy what God has given us and blessing us with uh, with the opportunities to uh, to do this and to be. Um, close enough as brothers, because uh, I do love you very much, Tom, and and it's really kind of neat to to be able to have this opportunity to come down here and to have you once again on our podcast. So it is a, uh, it's more than just making space for grace. It's a, uh, it's really uh, what we do, and uh, you know, so it's kind of nice. So hmm. when and when we talk about all of this, um, making space for grace, and uh, it was last week's episode, and we've talked about this, and we're really looking at our core values. Uh, that kind of make up uh, the way that we demonstrate them through our home church at Hope. And, and we kind of carry this on into our own personal life uh, as well. And uh, if you're a lot like me who is still trying to develop my Christian core values, um, it's okay. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not, hey, I decided to follow God and, and I understand who Jesus is. All of a sudden you have this instant you know, solid core values that you want to live by and demonstrate on a daily basis. You got to figure things out and, and then understand because it's not like just one core value or two core values or, you know, you could have, there's literally, we talked about it a few weeks ago where the, you know, the one, uh, John Maxwell mm-hmm. had a yeah. deck of cards that had 30 core values and described and described what they were and what, where they came from in scripture. And there's a process to even limit those down to, to just a few to where you really it's who you are, who you live by. And so uh, through this whole process and what we're doing um, in this series called This Is Us, we're looking at um, making space for grace. Uh, we're going to take a good look at today of um, who's your one. And yes, we're from Indiana, so we use the term Hoosier. But it's really who is your one? Yeah, where this came out is kind of fun because uh, one of my good friends who it was also, well, still is a, a mentor of mine, but Alex Rahill, he's the uh, director for church planting for our denomination, the Evangelical Covenant Church. But I served with him back in the Detroit area, and uh, he and his wife had uh, been here worshiping with us in uh, Indianapolis because they had a family in Carmel. So it was kind of odd because I, I feel like I, I saw him more down here in Indian, Indianapolis than I did back up in the Detroit area. But there was a, a message that I was doing where I asked, who's your one? 
And as we were out for breakfast together after that as families, uh, Alex looked at me, he's like, eh, who's your one, you know, play on words, Hoosiers, anybody, uh, uh familiar with the movie, uh, you know, that movie was big back when I was in school back at Taylor university here in upland, Indiana, but it's, mm-hmm. it's a night, it's, um, kind of a creative way, memorable way for us to describe, you know, what we want to be about as a church. And with any of these core values, it's, it's not that they supersede scripture. They come out of scripture. They don't supersede our mission, uh, that, you know, we're, um, seeking to declare and demonstrate uh, Jesus' awesome and transformative power and his message uh, in our world. and But it's how we go about doing that. And so, you know, churches, uh, you know, you can you can do that by sending out 10,000 mailers or uh, some kind of Facebook blitz, that kind of thing. But, uh, you know, and sometimes you've heard this about churches. Oh, the, that church, they're just all about the numbers. Well, we, we want to be a church that's all about the numbers as well, yep. but that number is one. Who's your one? Because it's interesting that though Jesus ministers in crowds, it seems like he ministers to that the individual. In fact, I, I would imagine that some of our favorite stories have to do with the fact when Jesus is one-on-one with someone. Yeah, and, and I've actually sat in church pews, and uh, it's kind of fun when uh, I remember listening to one pastor and as he's talking to the congregation, I really felt like he was talking just to me. I remember my cousin, he said that when he came to faith in Christ, there there were many times before that, that his pastor, <laughs> though he was speaking to the congregation, he felt like, oh my gosh, this guy's reading my mail, you know? Yeah. And so it was kind of fun to hear uh, Mike's account of how he came to faith in Christ because he just felt like that pastor was talking right to him. Uh, and that, that is so true. And it's just... It's amazing when you finally become, um, well, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, one of the first times that I really started to understand who Jesus was and the death on the cross, uh, the term that was used was, hey, Sean, this was just for you. Mm-hmm. He died on that cross just for you. You want to talk about something hitting you very personal. Um, and, and that was, I felt like, I was Jesus's one. Mm. He did this just for me. I was his one. And we have multiple scriptures and multiple stories about Jesus going after just one. I mean, besides the, uh, you know, the parable that talks about the, the 99 sheep and the one that was lost and how the shepherd would go out and find just that one, would leave everybody else, you know, leave the other sheep behind uh, and just have that one, find that one and then have a joyous celebration for that one that was lost. Yeah, we've got a variety of examples of of Jesus, you know, ministering to the one or teaching about one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, one of my favorites is out of Luke fifteen verses four through seven, where you know it talks about how a shepherd, you know, if he loses the uh, one sheep out of a hundred, and uh, wouldn't he go leave the ninety nine and go after the one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, I love this part. He joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. I kind of think of those days when I got to put my girls on my shoulders and, you know, walking around with them and playing with them and that kind of thing. But I, I just think of God putting us on his shoulders, you know, joyfully as, as we've come back into relationship or come into relationship with him for the first time. But it's just, it, it's fun because Jesus in the story says that this guy, you know, he calls all of his neighbors together and they throw a party. Uh, for this one lost sheep, which is kind of weird to me. It's like, okay, you found a sheep, sweet. You know, you're going to throw a party for that? But, but what Jesus is detailing is that, hey, in the same way, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who don't need 
to repent. Love that. And uh, when when I was teaching out of this, that one of the one of the references that I used, I think the main one that I used was out of Mark chapter five, and you can find these stories and uh, in the, really the entirety of Mark chapter five. But you've got Jesus kind of working in and out of the crowds, but he's getting drawn to the one. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the you know the demon possessed man that you know Jesus and his disciples go to the other side of the lake to this region of people called the Gerasenes. But it's the one that he goes to make an impact in his life. You know, this guy was possessed uh, by demons. In fact, they, you know, people had tried to chain him up, but, you know, because of the strength of the the demonic and the spiritual in his life, he, you know, nobody was able to subdue him. Um, but then, you know, when Jesus comes, he tells the, the demonic to come out of him. And there was a legion of demons living inside of him, which is kind of mind boggling for me. But then, um, you know, he impacts this guy's life. These, you know, demons are, you know, cast into uh, a herd of pigs. You know, I love bacon. So it's a sad day when that yeah. happens. Um, but, you know, and what's neat is that, you know, this guy, he he wants to go with Jesus. But he tells him, hey, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And then they go back into the boat and they head back to their original space. I mean, they, they literally crossed the lake for one person. That's the most fascinating thing for me is that when Jesus finds the one and he does what he needs to do and and he, and he heals this one individual, he doesn't want any praise, doesn't want to take any credit. He just gets back in the boat and says, okay, let's go back to the other side. Hmm. In today's society, do do we look at things? Do we try to do things and just tell people I mean, something as magnificent as that is? Do we just say, no, you know what? I don't want anything for it. Don't show me anything. I just, you know what? Just go live your life and I'm going to go over here and just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going to the other side of the lake. I'm going back where I need to be. Mm-hmm. Well, and even if you think about it, how Christ picked his disciples. Yeah. Right. He didn't pick them from a group. He didn't, Mm. it wasn't a group thing. It was actually an individual thing. Maybe in one case, there might've been four of them that he got them all together, but it was really focused on one Mm. during that episode. But in general, Christ even approached it on a singular basis. Mm. And I love the, um, where Paul talks about the resurrection and how, you know, Jesus had appeared to hundreds of them at one point, but then he also had a one-on-one with Peter and with James, yeah. you know, I love that. Uh, but another instance out of this uh, Mark chapter five and verse 21, it says, when Jesus had again crossed by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. But then a, a synagogue leader by the name of Jairus came up to him and said that, you know, his daughter was dying. And uh, so they, they begin making their way with him. But interesting enough, verse 24 says a large crowd followed and pressed around him. But, He's drawn to the one, you know, the woman who there had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had uh, spent a lot of money on, you know, doctors and medical appointments and that kind of thing. But she only got worse. And when she heard that Jesus was going to be coming in town, she was like, oh, maybe I can just touch the the hem of his robe and, you know, I'll uh, I'll get better. And uh, and so she did that. And at once I love this in in verse 30, it says that once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him, (laughs) he turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And his disciples are like, Lord, really? You know, (laughs) you see the people crowding against you. 
And yet you, you ask who touched me? I mean, there's a bunch of people touching you. And he says, but Jesus kept looking around to see who had done that. And then the woman, she came clean and told him what, you know, what had happened. And he said, listen, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And then, you know, they're still making their way to uh, Jairus' house when someone comes up to him and says, hey, don't, don't bother him anymore. You know, the rabbi doesn't need to be bothered with this anymore because your daughter's passed away. And he says, listen, don't be afraid, just believe. And they, they get to his house and Jesus brings Peter, James, and John with him and goes and says, listen, why in the world is, is there all this commotion? Uh, the child isn't dead, but asleep. And some people were laughing at him. They're like, yeah, well, we know what a dead person looks like. <laughs> but then he goes in and, and um, he says, little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately she stood up, began to walk around. Uh, she was 12 years old. Um, Mark says in his gospel at this, they were completely astonished and he gave strictly strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. <laughs> I guess food. Yeah. Uh, probably dying and being raised to life is uh, exhausting. So yeah, well, it's, you know, we, we do talk about food quite a bit. And, uh, but once again, the, the one that is lost, the one that is gone, the one that is not around us anymore. And then they want to have a great feast. The banquet that we're going to experience when we get to the kingdom of heaven is going to be so great and so mm-hmm. awesome. And that's when, you know, because of that one lost soul, that's why they throw the party. Mm-hmm. For that one lost sheep, that's why they throw this party. So um, there are so many different contexts where we could point out how, you know, Jesus kind of was, you know, working in the crowds, but was drawn to the one. You know, one of the things that I had learned early on in my ministry, and this was uh, Michelle's parents, Roger and Bonnie, had led us into a, a study when we were at their church out in California called Experiencing God. And Henry Blackaby was talking about the fact that God's always at work. And he, uh, you know, he talked about John 5, 17, where it says that uh, Jesus says, my father has always had his work to this very day and, to, and I too am working. Uh, in fact, a little bit later in John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus says, very, very truly, I say to you that the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing, because whatever the father does, the son also does. And we get this whole idea that, you know, Jesus, because he often taught, you know, if you, you take a look at Luke's gospel, he often took time away alone to pray. And I would imagine that it was in those times where he was kind of getting his instructions, but just seeing where God was at work and he was going to join him in doing that. And Henry Blackaby, I, I love what he says. He, he said that what what we need to do is do what God is blessing instead of asking God to bless what we're doing. Because our tendency is just to kind of launch out, oh, let's do this, let's do that. We get some great ideas, but we're not really considering where God's at work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, God's always at work. We need to join him in his work. And God actually invites us to join him in his work. I, I love that whole idea. You know, when Jesus is bringing his, his disciples along, he's sharing with them and telling them how they're to go about impacting people's lives. And they were going to do it one by one. In fact, one of his instructions was that um, John 14, he says, don't you believe that I am in the father and that the father is in me? The words that I tell you, I don't speak of my own authority. Rather, it's the father living in me who is doing his work. And so, you know, and then Jesus will go on to say that, you know, my disciples will go on and do greater works than, than even I have done. So he's inviting us into his work of imp- impacting people's lives and drawing people to himself. And that's what we get to do. And, you know, as a church, what we're really trying to focus on is who's our one. Yeah. 
Um, who's your one individually? And then who's your one, maybe as a couple, maybe you've got, you know, you're just praying. In fact, the, the two challenges that I, I gave one is to, to pray for your one. And number two is to stay with your one. Right. Uh, one of, when Jesus was giving his instructions to his disciples and as they were heading out two by two, you know, he said, listen, go to a house and, if you find there some worthy person or a translation could say, you know, a, a person of peace, what it, what it means there is that when you go there and you're welcomed into that home and they want to hear what you have to say, he says, don't go anywhere else then stay there with them. And I think the whole, the whole principle there, absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's some hand gestures going on in studio one, a, uh, we'll get to that in a second. Um, that's my brother. He liked what he liked to hear and he's staying here, I guess. I that's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. He's got a, a home to welcome him in and he's still here. Um, but, <laughs> but you know, you pray for your one and you stay with your one. I, I think so many times we get so focused on doing this and doing that and going there and going, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, if we get somebody that is actually open Man, just stick with them. Yeah, and, stay with them. And you know this. This is something that's very key. Um, and I've said this before um, that we we want God to dwell in our hearts. And I said I don't want God to just dwell in my heart. I want Him to live and to live through me and to live through me. And I think that's exactly what this passage is saying here. It's it's the Father living in me. He's not just dwelling. He's living. When you live, you're doing things. When we talk about the one, um, you know, it's a it's a process. And I remember having conversations uh, with you, Tom, um, back when I was very involved with Via de Cristo, and you had just started to you just had your cancer scare right after that, um, and it was like I was just planting seeds, just planting seeds, and then uh, as time progressed on. Um, and you were here, you were doing your travels and you were coming through this, uh, through Indianapolis and staying with us, um, started to introduce you to our Bible study that we were doing. And, and I think that's one of the unique things about, uh, today's technology and what the whole pandemic did. It allows, allowed us to start zooming and we did more stuff zooming and you asked if you could join us. Uh, and it was like, by all means, yes, join us. And you, so no matter where you travel, you're zooming in with us. And even when you're in Oregon, you know, you still zoom in on Monday nights and, and join us. Well, I think that's one of the, um, again, people will focus on negative things. And to me, that's one of God's blessings is it's really taught the church how to use technology mm-hmm. to expand. Yeah. I heard um, one pastor talk about the fact that the church is hybrid. You, you just, you, you have to accept that and engage with people where they're at, right. even if they're live in Oregon. Correct. Or who's your one? Who's your one? And the church is not a building. Right. You know, and at that, I think the pandemic created that yeah. understanding in most people now is it's <laughs> at not least a in the West. I think the rest of the world <laughs> knew that the church wasn't a building, but for some reason, we in the West, we want to make it about our buildings and how large our groups are. Yeah. It's true. But you experienced a, uh, a who's your one. Yeah, actually, it's a pretty interesting story. I I mean, it could probably take longer than the podcast to get through. But uh, recently, Mm -hmm. and I say recently is about three or four months ago. To a little background real quick is God uh, blessed me with a relationship with a gentleman named Doug back in 1985. We actually became working partners, associates. When I was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. 
so yeah, so back in 1985, Doug and I became working associates. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in most careers in corporate America, you actually find a one as well. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Doug was my one in corporate America. Every time I was promoted or or moved on to a new division to start up something or to manage something, Doug would come with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and he would always be my right hand in the business world. Mm. You know, anything I needed to get done that I couldn't focus on, he took care of, or any real tough task that I didn't want to do, Doug did. Mm. <laughs> so Doug has been kind of my one mm-hmm. from 1985, and mm. if I really think about it. And then moving forward into, uh, and then I, I, we fall apart. Because Doug retired and I moved on and I retired from that job as well. And then I went on and created a new business and and we separate a little bit. But this business that I'm in today, which allows me to travel, which is why I'm here, hmm. kind of was a blessing from God as well. Because it gives me one-on-one time with people that I haven't had for years. Hmm. So it allowed me to rekindle a relationship with Doug. When I go back to Chicago, I get to sit down with him. We go out to dinner and we have conversations and things like that. So uh, moving forward again, last three years, I was mentored um, by a men's group in Crystal Lake, Illinois, um, from my church there. And one of the things that we studied was really, um, it was called Discipleship Essentials. Mm-hmm. It's a book by George Gordon. And it's like any other Bible study it takes you through, but it teaches you Discipleships, And one of the things in that discipleship is to be ready, mm. not to seek it, mm-hmm. but just to be ready. Mm. So get to the long sh- story short here is Doug and I, uh, as we rekindled our relationship, we'd go out to dinner, we'd have conversations, and Doug was having events in his life. And Doug was always a very spiritual person, but not really knowing Christ. Mm. He was surprised when we opened up and how much I followed Christ, because mm. he never knew that. So over several conversations and several dinners, we just talked about it, talked about it. Never asked him if he wanted to follow Christ or anything else, and he didn't come across that way. Well, one day in Oregon, a Saturday, I'll never forget it as long as I live, I get a phone call from Doug, and I'm in the car with my wife, Tammy, and he goes, Tom, I need some advice. And I said, sure, what do you got? And you could hear the emotion in his voice. Mm -hmm. Afterwards, you know, God was really working this. He says, I want to accept Christ. And I said, okay. He says, what's the process? <laughs> I said, hold on a second. And so we were just right down the street from the house. So I told Tammy, pull in. And I ran upstairs to my office. I shut the doors and I sat down and he said, what are you doing now? And we're on the phone. He goes, what do you mean? I said, let's, if you're ready to accept Christ, let's do it right now. And I said, well, what do I do? Mm-hmm. And I said, well... Let's just start out this way. I'll pray for you. And then you pray and ask God to come into your heart and forgive you for your sins. Mm -hmm. And I said, and then we'll start from there. Mm -hmm. And it was a very emotional. I mean, here's two grown men that have known each other for almost 40 years. And we both cried on the phone. Mm -hmm. Never did that in front of each other or anything else. But during that moment of him accepting Christ, it was so emotional to both of us that the tears just flowed. And then after the phone call, and I said, so you're good. He says, is that it? I said, you're fine. I said, but let's continue on. So I bought him a book. Uh, It's a daily Bible. And I said, let's read this together. I said, I've always wanted to do this. 
This is read it from beginning to end. So we do that now. Mm. And we do it every week. Uh, we get together every Tuesday for a phone call. We talk about what we've read. And we've expanded the Bible study on Monday night. He's included <laughs> in that now, too. So now we have Chicago, Oregon, and Arizona into uh, Bible study on Monday night, which is mm. kind of cool to show you again that the church is bigger than mm-hmm. a building. The church is bigger than uh, it's it's Christ, right? I mean, yeah. let's understand that we're all part of that. So Doug has been my one, but one of the things I, I just want to plug that book again, the, the Discipleship Essentials, is it tells you that the best way to disciple anyone is in a small setting, mm-hmm. one or two people. Mm. Once you get on that, yeah, it kind of gets uh, defocused, mm-hmm. you know. So Doug and I have been doing this uh, pretty regularly, and I always it's fascinating to listen to Doug. And Doug has always been a detailed person. He's a project manager by trade. Mm. So every time we get into a new thing, he's sending me maps. He's sending me a whole bunch of different things That's to awesome. say, look at this. This is where it is. And it's very visual. Mm. So it's actually helped me. Mm. You know, so when you disciple somebody, it works both directions. Oh, yeah. You know, so absolutely. I've been truly blessed by having Doug in my life and actually walking this path with me. Mm. Um, just like, like I said, who knew back in 1985 when God put us together mm. that we'd end up where we are today? That's awesome. It's really been a, a very, I mean, you, you know, we talk about how um, how hard COVID has been, but it's been very fascinating to watch what we've done as a church, both in terms of our gatherings on Sunday mornings and being available to people, whether it's live stream or they're catching the video at, you know, after at some some other point. But just that we had our small groups move to, you know, using Zoom. And then, you know, a couple of our small groups continue to do that, even though we have people who are meeting in person. Mm-hmm. So it's been it's been really neat that uh, just because we've been multiplying our small groups and we have more small groups than Hope has had in, in many years that uh, in you know, we would be down here in, in Sean's basement and there could be, you know, six or seven guys down here. But then, you know, you're zooming like uh, so I've been with my brother-in-law at his place, which is just as far east from my house as Sean's house is from my house. And so, you know, we'll be at his place and, and we were zooming and then you're zooming from Oregon and then Doug's been zooming from Illinois. And then you said somebody else. Yeah. A friend of Doug's. And uh, I don't know if you know Dave, if you knew Dave. Yeah. Dave but, worked with me as well, but Dave is from Chicagoland area. Yeah. So now he's involved. And then Sean's friend, Steve uh, yeah, from Steve's, Arizona. Yeah. Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to go back to, to part of Tom's story and, and with, with, uh, with Doug, because as you say, you remember that day so vividly and never will forget it. I was in Arizona visiting Steve, and I remember getting this text from you. And your first question to me it was, hey, Doug just committed his life to Christ. Is it okay if he joins our study and he'd like to know how to get to listen to your podcast? Neat. And it was just like, uh, yes. <laughs> Or awesome. Yes. Here's the link. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. It was like, no doubt. I mean, and, and I think it's so, uh, it, it is where your heart is. It's, it's not about going out and finding the one it's allowing your heart to be willing to accept and be ready to nurture the one. Hmm. Um, and it's not so much just to find that one and to just accept it. I love the fact that you and Doug still continue with your studies, mm-hmm. with with the, your one-on-one conversation, you're still 
taking him along this journey. Um, and when we do that, it's it's kind of like uh, for you and I, Johnny, when, we, when we're down here and we're doing the show together, um, how much I'm learning from you mm-hmm. and how much um, you know, we learn from each other as we go through this. Uh, you know, this podcast in itself, how many people it has reached uh, without us really doing anything except posting something on Facebook and having it on all the, the formats, how all of a sudden the one is in Germany. The one yeah. is in France. The one is in Guyana. That one is in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. You know, global. You, you talk about how we're just not just a local church, but we're becoming global. global. You know, global and local. And then throughout the 130 different cities in this in, in the United States, it's somebody's listening to this podcast. And it's just allowing God to speak through you. You're able to reach that one. And you may mm-hmm. not even know who that one is. And it's because there's always, always, uh, my friends out there, listen, there's always room for one more mm-hmm. at the cross. Yeah. Always room for one more. Um, and, and it's so we used to have to, when you when we talk about evangelizing, going door to door, knocking on doors to invite people into, you know, hey, come listen to us, come to our church. And now it's just as easy to reach that one person by clicking. Mm-hmm. You know, here, listen to this link. You know, just just to, just to plant the seed. You know, it's not so much for us to 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 harvest. You know, God's going to have the harvest. He's going to get that whole idea. But just to plant the seed and then to help and cultivate that one. Mm-hmm. I think that's a very valid point that because um, we had this discussion back in my men's group, because not all of us can go and knock on doors. Right? Mm-hmm. Not all of us are strong enough Christians to go and just stop someone on the street and try to preach to them and, and get them to come follow Christ. But the key point is, if you interface every day with people, with God in your heart, you're planting a seed, and you'll be ready to reap that harvest mm-hmm. whenever yeah. it happens. And you never know when it's going to happen. And that was the relationship with God. In my wildest dreams, I ever thought we yep. would end up where we are hmm. today. You know, uh, and you talk about the uh, we still follow up today, and we still read together and do things. One of the things that I believe that you have a responsibility mm-hmm. that God has given us that responsibility uh, because in Matthew. Right, he tells the disciples to go and baptize and teach them. Right, right. So, as a disciple, which we all are, mm-hmm. it's our responsibility. When you do find that one, and that one does come to Christ with you, you need to help that person grow right. and learn. And for me, as I said before, it's very rewarding in the reverse side because oh. it's it's something that I've grown tremendously just in the last three months with Doug as well. Because I'm doing things that I've wanted to do mm. that I never took the time to do. And now with this relationship and this feeling of um, ownership or commitment mm-hmm. that I am responsible now for my brother to God to make sure that he is prepared and is able to do the things that God wants him to do. Mm. So I, I think, you know, if you follow the, the one-on-one aspect of uh, discipleship yeah. is rewarding in both directions. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not everybody is uh, designed for one-on-one relationships like this. Um, and sometimes it's it's 
understanding that, hey, what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses? And then to, uh, you know, you get somebody that comes to you that that wants it. And maybe you're not the strongest in that area, but you know, you know, if you're surrounded by people, you're going to have that one person that is. And just to be able to make that connection. I, I do a pretty good job of um, connecting with groups. Um, I have a, I do a pretty good job of connecting one-on-one, but not sustaining that one-on-one further down. But I get, uh, you know, and, and God's placing me in some pretty unbelievable spots to have one-on-one relationships with this, uh, you know, uh, even to the point where I could be, um, you know, part of my, one of my part-time gigs uh, in retirement is working at a tap room at a local brewery here and uh, one night a week. And I get to have some pretty awesome one-on-one conversations with people Mm. um, that are just there for the moment and they continue on. I get to plant that seed, but I, I may never see it be developed, but I get to plant that seed. Um, and that's one of my strengths of the one-on-one, who's your one. And I never know who that one person is when they walk in. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just the idea of understanding and to be open for that conversation to start. It's really kind of neat as we go along. And as far as a core value, just to be willing to open your heart and open your life and be willing to have that conversation with that one. Everybody has an idea in their heart and in their mind, that one person and something that you don't even, you don't have to go talk to them, but I will encourage you to pray for them. Mm -hmm. Just simply pray for them. That sometimes will be exactly what needs to happen for them. Um, there, there's people in my life that I I pray that will just open their heart and just to see and hear God's voice. And, and sometimes that's all it's going to take. But it's like, you know, I can talk to them constantly. I can give them, I can drop hints. I can plant the seeds, but I can always pray. I don't see them on a daily basis, but so I can always pray for them. And that is one thing. Who's that one person that you can just pray for? Mm-hmm. Pray for your one and then stay stay with your one. Yeah. So just stick with them. And that's our encouragement to you. You know, we're exploring these core values here at Hope Church, and we want to be a church about the numbers, but the <laughs> most important number is that number one. Who's who's your one? Who's going to be that one person that God wants to uh, impact through you? We're just encouraging you to continue to do that prayerful work of discovering what your own personal core values are. And it could be that as we're unpacking these as a faith family, maybe there's something that resonates with you as well. And you're like, you know what, this this feels like me. This feels like the core of who I am as well. What we're going to go further on with this, uh, with this series that we're going to be talking about uh, being real, who you are as a real person and really give this up. Uh, never give up on anybody. Uh, it's going to be something we're going to be talk, talking about. Uh, we've already talked about being close, but not being closed, uh, cross-generational. Um, and then uh, when we finish this series, um, we're going to talk about the the team concept mm-hmm. uh, because it's not just about one person. Uh, and we're actually going to go in and, and talk about uh, where Scripture tells us about how the team that God even places, you know, putting Jesus at the head uh, yeah. of the body and stuff. And, and actually, uh, you know, even as I'm talking about that right now, I'm a little nervous because Johnny's he coach is going to be there. I get to deliver that message. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and so we'll talk about team concepts because even at hope, 
going through all of this, how many people are behind the scenes that mm. allows this to happen. Amazing. Uh, you know, that whole team of, of how to deliver God's message is so important. So that's what we're going to be doing. That's how we're going to continue on with this series called This Is Us. So um, everybody, hey, thanks for listening to Hope Anchors. Paul wrote in Romans 15.4, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through the endurance taught in the scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. And that's really our purpose, to give you something to anchor your hope to. So don't give up. And keep looking up. And keep hope alive. Amen, brother. Hey, Tom, thanks a lot. Uh, have thanks, Tom, for brother. being with us again. God bless.